Shut up, I love it. Shut up, I love it forever. Shut up, I love it forever. Spring break forever, too. Shut up, I love it. This is Joe Cabello, and I'm here with... Sasha Feiler, and this is Shut Up, I Love It, a podcast where we talk about things that are forgotten, misunderstood, not loved enough. Misaligned, someone once said. Misaligned. We keep bringing it back. Joe, who is here in the studio today? We got a comedian and writer whose jokes you could see on Comedy Central and HBO and heard on a bevy of TV shows, including CW's Legends of the Hidden Temple, Netflix's Historical Roast, and Discovery's BattleBots, one of my personal favorites, Jay Light. Hello. Welcome. What's up, Jay Light? Give us your best BattleBot... Joke. <laughs> that best battle bot line. Oh my god, it's been years. Um I can do the Farouk voice very I feel like I can do that pretty well. Oh uh, then we need to hear it. I'm very familiar oh, with Farouk. I remember I, my absolute favorite joke I ever wrote for BattleBots was uh something that was Mary Poppins related just so I could get Farouk to do a pun on super califragilistic expialidocious. <laughs> <laughs> the the jokes in that show by Farouk are some of the best. Go check the those out, people. BattleBots. Yes. You can watch some whole compilations on YouTube of just Farouk jokes. It's great. That's what exactly we're going to do after this episode. Mm-hmm. What are we here to talk about besides BattleBots, which I'm really enjoying? Um, we are here to talk about one of my top five, top three, maybe top even movies three. of all time. Uh, Spring Breakers, the Harmony Corinne classic from uh, from the early 2010s. Wow. Right. So the the yeah, this was a, a big film for its Disney stars, especially yes. uh, Selena Gomez yeah. and um, Vanessa Hudgens. Mm-hmm. Bunch of girls go on spring break and get in trouble. Oh yeah, but it's so much more than that. It's it's a uh, in for my money one of the absolute best satires to ever come out one of the uh one of the finest critiques of party culture and you really uh, i think that it's just iconic and people do not give this movie the love that it deserves you know i just you saying this is your top three favorite movie of all time. I want to hear the other the other movies up there. Like I want to know what Spring Breakers sharing that space with. It's very because the rest of the movies in there are, I think are more conventionally loved. With um, the other, I would I would put uh, There Will Be Blood as my number one. Mm. Conventionally and, loved, yes. Yeah, and Fantastic Mr. Fox, uh, the uh, the Wes Anderson animated film as uh, number two and spring breakers right there at the top right after that <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i definitely have a lot of opinions on this movie that we got to get into but first i want to know why you think this or what category of shut up i love it you think this lands in it being a movie that is was a pretty big release had our big disney stars gets talked mm-hmm. about so where do you think this lands i would say more than anything, this movie is misunderstood. Mm-hmm. 
I by, think by me, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, cuz it's a very easy movie to misunderstand too cuz you look at it and you look at the poster and you look at who's in it and you immediately develop an opinion of this movie. And it's very hard to divest yourself from that opinion once it's developed, even as you watch some of the beautiful scenes that happen in this movie. Yeah, Even especially. as you're watching the every time montage or the look at my shit scene, it's great. Yeah, I, I think uh, you're spot on about it being misunderstood for sure. A lot of the aesthetics of it don't help that. And know. Harmony Korine's name is just uh, immediately makes you be like, oh, it's the creepy dude like who you know did like a wasn't kids and uh, yeah, he's written and a bunch of yeah, and now he's an older guy doing this uh, <laughs> right but <laughs> all these but, young girls and one of those young girls also is his wife <laughs> right is, yeah. was she a wife at the time already or is she became a wife as a result of the movie she was his wife already um mm. i think they had married off of a previous movie that she was in of his that he had done mm-hmm. um but this is the other thing i haven't seen besides spring breakers and the beach bum which i also think is uh underrated those are the only Harmony Korine movies I have ever seen. Mm, same, I, except uh, lacking Beach Bum. Uh, this is the only Harmony Korine movie I've ever seen, despite... I've seen some clips of kids, um, although not directed by him, so uh, can written. we really call it a Harmony Korine movie? Heavily, it's got the heavy, Harmony heavy, Korine heavy, sheen, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Harmony, we're in the Harmony Korine right now. <laughs> And it's On not part of this episode. That. <laughs> for sure, we are. <laughs> We're bringing yeah. it back. Sasha, was this something? And was Harmony Korine on your radar before Harmony this podcast? Harmony Korine was on my radar. I remember growing up in Siberia, and people were like ki- other kids, like young children. We were young children, and they were like, "Do you know this movie called Detki, which means kids in Russian? Like kids, like it's like kids fucking doing drugs." And I remember, like, I I could not, I did not have access to just, like, watch movies. So I was like, I was like, that sounds insane. Like, I was fascinated. And then eventually, years later, I saw kids. And, uh, you know, I was like, okay, that's kids. And then. (laughs) Impressed, it sounds like. When I was. Uh Those certainly were the kids. (laughs) (laughs) And then when I was getting ready for this episode of the podcast, I told my husband, I'm going to watch Spring breaker, Breakers. And he said, you saw it. And I said, <laughs> I have not seen it. He said, you totally saw it. And I said, do you think maybe we started watching it? And I said, I don't want to watch it. He's like, no, you saw the whole thing. And, I, and you didn't like it. And I said, did I sleep through it? He said, probably. So this is interesting. I slept through it the first time I saw it. Which is shocking, because it's not the kind of movie you would sleep through. I can kind of see. It's, it's got some lullaby-ishness to it with repetition <laughs> and uh, scenes like that kind of float. Just like those crotch shots? I mean, they definitely put me there. So. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever there's not dubstep crashing and pounding into your ears, <laughs> yeah, the, the score is a little, it could put you to sleep a little bit. The beginning of a Fast and Furious movie. They just use B-roll <laughs> of the intro of a Fast and Furious movie for a lot of this movie. Um, but you, so you saw it already. I actually have never seen it until recently for this mm-hmm. podcast. Um, Very recently. Because not being a Harmony Korine fan, not necessarily being interested in the subject matter, it just didn't, it wasn't on my radar. It was like on my watch list 
way low. I knew I would get to it at some point, but needed mm-hmm. the reason. The fate. The fate decided. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A mm-hmm. podcast about things that are disliked <laughs> would bring me to it. Um, so, yeah, it was my first time seeing it. And I think uh, it's probably a good re- thing because we have to go into these movies, especially that we watch um, for this podcast with an open mind, like, oh, there's something to see here. And I wonder if I would have seen it without that, that I would have just maybe disregarded it too early. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But let's get into it. Before we even get into the movie, Jay, have you been on spring break? I have actually been on spring break. Um, I Tell went us everything. Yeah, it was it was not one of the absolute like Lake Havasu, Panama City Beach, super crazy ones. Um, but I did do a spring break in Florida one year. I think it was my sophomore year of college, and I had a friend of mine um, who was from Florida. We a bunch of us drove down. And his family lived on this place called Sanibel Island, which is a very sleepy, like, sort of Florida Keys-ish kind of town. Much more like the beach bum than spring breakers. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we were like, well, we got to go do a spring break day, one day. So we drove up to, oh, God, Fort Lauderdale. Mm -hmm. And they had some of the classic like spring breaky tropes where they had like the the booty shaking contest and Mm -hmm. they had a bunch of college kids who were too tan, you know, drinking out of solo cups because otherwise they were going to get tickets on the beach and throwing alcohol on each other very disrespectfully as well. Oh yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. People being loud in like motels. That was all that, all that was there. Mm. Oh my gosh. And Sasha, I assume you have not had too much of a spring break experience. Anything before year, Age 19 is a blur because I have no relation to anything <laughs> American culture before age 19. And that I was like in Brooklyn College. So there's not even a dorm. You just you just get by. You just live and work. Your dorm is taking the subway back to not yes, your home. I slept so like- much on that subway. It was my home. I learned how to grasp onto my bag really actively while getting rest. It was great. <laughs> No it sounds like a breaking. sounds fun. Yeah, and I myself have never actually done a proper spring break trip. I've done some like Santa Barbara trips that were somewhat had the spring break uh, vibe because Halloween like? there is crazy. Halloween oh, there feels okay. like spring break. Like everybody's just walking the streets, drinking, get into a lot of trouble. Um, but so yeah, this kind of was disconnected for me as far as the experience. Um, and I know a lot of people, it is formative to kind of do this type of spring break. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I had a lot of friends in college who did. And I never really, like, even the time that I did, like, a more traditional spring break, it still didn't feel nearly as as insane as some of the stories I heard from my friends. And then, of course, this movie takes it and pitches it up to a whole new, completely out there level. Um, but it was so... I, I, I think part of why the reason why I, this movie, it hit me right because I watched it. I had just finished college and I had just moved out here. And I was so, at that time, uh, just like sick of what had happened in college. I, I was already very disillusioned. I was in a fraternity, so I was very uh. 
at the time by the tail end of my time in college i was very disillusioned with fraternity life mm. i was like this is all so pointless we're all everybody's doing the exact same thing all the time i was very like writing i was in creative writing classes writing like aimless essays about like the emptiness of frat boys <laughs> oh, perfect fodder i'm sure no one else was writing such things at the time nobody in those class all those other people in classes rolled their eyes at me but i was like no this is me this is meaningful i, pr I promise you but it's hard to humanize a frat boy mm. uh, i totally understand that now but this i think i caught me at the right time because i watched this movie and i was like this gets it this nails the emptiness and then what that leads to if it in the most extreme version possible so let's transition from that into what makes this not just some exploitation film about a bunch of let's get a bunch of disney princesses sexy mm -hmm. and have them get violent and whatnot what why is it just that to you or is it more I think it's more than that. I actually think part of it is that it is selling you something that it is that you're not uh, that you're not actually given. Um, the The whole idea of like, all right, we're gonna make this like we're gonna take these Disney princesses and sex them up a little bit uh, doesn't really happen. Like all of the all of the titillation in this movie is decidedly not fun to look at. Um, feels dangerous. It feels dangerous <laughs> and gross. Um, like even I think from the opening sequence on, where it's uh, a bunch of people, you know, dancing around on the beach. It's to that one Skrillex song that was really popular at the time. Uh, but all the colors are a little bit off. Like mm -hmm. it's a little bit too yellow and orange. And, and all the people look a little bit emaciated and, but they're still like, you're, you look at them and their faces are like, we're having a great time, but you look at their, like their bodies and you're like, oh, these people have no idea what a good time is. Like, this is unfortunate mm. to look at that they put themselves in this situation. Yeah, like being the only sober person at the party at 4 a.m. and looking around yeah. and being like, oh my God, that could have exactly. been me. Yeah. Um, and I think that that carries out throughout kind of the whole movie where you are watching these girls uh, get themselves into situations where they think they're going to have a great time. And then slowly the, the peeling back of how bad of a time they're going to have and how bad of a time it all is. I think that's where it really sings as a movie. And especially it really works having their pre-canceled James Franco. Yes. <laughs> it's all like they knew. Perfect casting. Perfect, Perfect casting. casting. James Franco playing a creep. We all had no idea how method he was going to go <laughs> later on in life. He was already going method. We just didn't know this whole time. Um, and then it all came out. Yeah. yeah. So he definitely... And he's doing a great job, by the way, just embodying that creepy character. Mm -hmm. for the sure. culture vulture. Yes. Yeah, I remember when this movie came out, I was like, I can't believe that James Franco's not getting awards attention for this movie. Because he's so unhinged and and so good at playing that, like, the skeevy white guy rapper role. 
Yeah, yeah it, it was really very worked. threatening, but also seductive at the same mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. You could see why these girls did that. Oh, <laughs> we all could see that. Yeah. Uh, it, Sasha, I wonder with you watching it, what what was your take on what this movie is? I kind of took it for the face, like the in the face value of uh, there's just a lot of titties, a lot of uh, crotch shots. It's Harmony Green, <laughs> like he comes out of Larry Clark's, you know, crew of exploiting and shocking people with, you know, having young people have sex. So I mean, like. I, here's the thing. After I watched the movie, I said to myself, "It's a pretty good movie. Like, it's not a bad movie. It's the editing is amazing." And the, I started like kind of like the editing is great. The camera work is great. Like mm-hmm. all the it's it's all good stuff. The, I mean the act. I was just like, it just kind of didn't land hard for me. I landed softly. I was like, oh okay. And then they all get bad and they kind of pay for it. Um, but the satire. I don't know, maybe it's me and satire in general. It didn't like Lance, like, oh my God, like what a satire of American culture. But it honestly could be because I'm just taking the face value because I've never been to a spring break and to me it's the most American thing that could ever be, is that. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, I mean, but like aren't people watching this film a lot of times just to see the booty shake? And I'm like, they probably are. Well, so yeah, so, kind of, <laughs> something that's uh, participating and something that's criticizing at the yeah. same time. Yeah. yeah, there's probably a lot of people who are watching this on a on a bar television with the sound <laughs> off. <laughs> I can't mm-hmm. imagine. And there's some haunting imagery at the end with the uh, the white hooded women mowing mm-hmm. down mm-hmm. Uh, black people. Mm-hmm. So to me, like I really disliked watching this movie, but. <laughs> I was like, well, this is a really good movie. <laughs> it's right. like I'm disliking it. I don't think it's supposed to be liked. You know, it's it's showing really awful things. Mm-hmm. And I was just surprised that it's it felt like a very um pointed movie about race while also not being very pointed at the same time. Mm-hmm. It was like not subtle, but I think you get you kind of lose that in all the countless breasts, mm-hmm. just kind of nonsensory. Uh, it's hard to get your footing with this movie because of the editing too, which is the coolest part. The coolest part. You know, things you you're not sure how you're seeing things. You feel drunk watching it, but that like it's anytime I I like stop a movie and I'm like. I did not like that. Then I'm like, all right, I got to think about this more. And then it's usually yeah. showing something a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think yeah. this, this movie definitely doesn't make you comfortable. And it seems like, you know, if you look at the posters or if you look at the advertising for it, then yeah, maybe you think, oh, okay, well this is just going to be, uh, it, it could be a, a, maybe a darker exploitation movie. But I think because of, how uncomfortable the movie is designed to make you, you know, even some of the scenes that are not like overtly you, you, you think of like, Oh, what's going to happen whenever they play uh, every time. And it's going to be this great Britney Spears song and he's going to play the piano on the beach and it's going to be fun. But then you have 
the the deep discomfort of watching people like do a ring around the rosy, but with shotguns. <laughs> it's right. so uncomfortable. Or uh, arguably the most uncomfortable scene of the of the film, the gun fellatio scene. Oh, absolutely! Uh, oh, yeah, the set piece, the central set piece, iconic. <laughs> where, what happens in that? Jay, would you describe to the audience? Um, so they, uh, this is coming fr- pretty fresh off of the look at my shit scene, which is another great comedic set piece yeah. in this movie. Um, and all we have left at this point, girls wise is, uh, Vanessa Hudgens and Ashley Benson from pretty little liars. And they're with James Franco and they, uh, they have a gun and they put it they they basically like make it seem like they're going to kill him and take all of his shit that he just told them to look at, and uh, he <laughs> he sucks the gun off like it's a like it's a penis and really plays into it. Really goes really yeah. goes hard on that gun. Really. Mm-hmm. Puts two in his mouth at one time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, and that's uh, oh, that's I was nervous because of her finger on the trigger the whole time. That definitely. He probably was nervous. too. I mean, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're nervous, I mean, that's what they always say in improv class. You just write. You just lean into it. You yes, and and clearly. So I put a gun in my mouth and sucked it off while I watched the movie. <laughs> exactly. I was no. like, oh, I got to feel how this feels. Yeah, yeah. No, James Franco sure leaned in. He followed all the yes and rules, and uh, he added. You know, he second beat it. He beat. <laughs> He second beat it off right there, right there. That scene is gonna stay with me for a while. I'm gonna put it this way, in a yeah. good way. I'm surprised I hadn't heard about it before. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe it's just the way I've heard people talk about this movie. People haven't talked about this movie in the way that I would think they would have after seeing it. Mm-hmm. But I think yeah, it's because they get stuck. Yeah, it's kind of, it's hard to talk about without watching it i think uh, at least more than once or if you're if or if you're not watching it on a sort of analytical critical level it's hard to talk about because you can't really classify it in the way that you would expect to it throws your expectations off and there is so much crazy shit that happens throughout the movie uh that some of the movements that are not quite as like overtly crazy even though they are crazy in context like the gun fellatio scene um those kind of just get you know lost in the shuffle how many times have you seen this movie jay i have seen this movie at least five times mm-hmm. maybe maybe closer to 10 but oh. i've watched this movie and i've had people turn the turn this movie off midway through because they didn't like it and i'm like no 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 no, no you don't get it yeah, I was gonna ask. Do you do you show your friends this? Like, what prompts you to seek the uncomfortable experience of watching this movie over and over? Uh, is it usually just to be like, "Hey, my BFF, here's the movie that I enjoy. Do you want to enjoy it as well?" Yeah, it's pretty much it. Yeah. I've tried to get people <clears throat> to uh, to watch this movie. I have so I, I, there's a lot of movies that I love that a lot of people I don't think have seen as far as in my friend group goes, and I always love the experience of watching a movie for the first time with somebody when I know what's going to happen. And watch them, right? Exactly. Yeah, I like that uh, a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this movie's a great movie for that because it's uh, 
it, it's such an overload that sometimes if you only know that it's a movie with Vanessa Hudgens and Selena Gomez and James Franco doing a riffraff impression, <laughs> then you're, you don't know what you're really getting into. Yeah. And, uh, and, yeah. Yeah. It's tricky. Uh, it's- but I, but I love, I, I just love this movie. I love a movie that can continually, and I think this is part of why it's one of my all-time favorites. I love a movie that can continually bring me to a place every time I watch it where I still feel the way I did the first mm-hmm. time I watched it. Um, and that's a, you know, that's a really tough thing to pull off in, in any sort of art, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still get that, like, that very visceral experience of, oh... Not only is this a great critique, uh, but it also is a deeply like it really sticks in your craw. Like it really gets in there. It really makes you have that uh, that uncomfort, the, the 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 discomfort, the unsettled feeling that I that I felt the first time I watched it, and continue to. Yeah, it's one of those movies where you're like, I wish this ended different, and I'm watching it, and it's not ending different every time, yeah. and it stings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, Have you seen uh, Zola? No, I haven't seen Zola yet. It's uh, I, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and say that's a close cousin of this film. Double yeah. feature. It's a double feature material for sure. As a person okay. who walked out of Zola, though, I am probably Ooh. not the best person. How about Zohan? About <laughs> Don't mess with the Zohan. Don't mess with the Zohan. Any similarities there? Not that I know of. Probably not. But uh, Zola is, uh, to me, is an unfortunate, unfortunate cousin of this film. Like, it's a um, lesser version of Spring Breakers. How, uh, made by a brilliant director. Well, based off of a Twitter story, uh, uh-huh. you know, it's it's not going to aim, it's not going to hit the same, like, levels of uh, satire and weirdness. Yeah. Right. It's interesting that I thought Harmony Corrine made this movie, uh, Spring Breakers, like more like a sensory experience. I'm sure you read the Wikipedia article, y'all, um, where he says like he wanted to make not so much of a story, but like story to come out of it. More he was looking for the sensory experience for the audience to watch and feel things. And I think he really did it. Like he, mm-hmm. uh, as an auteur, he really did the thing of, you know, uh, like UJ saying, just always just getting you, getting to you every time. Mm-hmm. Um, as a person who saw it first time, I have no memory of seeing it. Uh, <laughs> but the second time, it sure was creepy. And and it, it definitely is like a hard movie to talk about because you have to watch it and be like, no, you don't understand. Like when it's out of sync, like cutting away, you know, jumping forward, but you still have the lines from a different scene. Like it just all creates mm-hmm. this like disorienting, mm-hmm. chaotic uh, vibe and the flow that you were like... Um, you really, it's hard, really hard to sort of look away, which is great. Because a lot of times you look away when yeah. you watch a film these days. You would want to look away. But there's, you know, because all of the parts that you are watching and you're hearing, you know, lines being repeated over and over again, there's certain ways that those are framed, too, where you can look at it and it's like, oh, there's a reason these lines are being repeated. It's because the girls are trying to psych themselves up to rob a mm-hmm. chicken shack or something like that. How did everybody feel about like, because they keep saying like, just logically, and I just I'm just curious if it's like my brain freaking out. But it's like because they were like they really were 
using the um what a paint guns or something right like what, spray paint spray paint guns oh uh, yeah like uh yeah squirt guns squirt yeah. guns or something yeah, yeah like they were just using like toy guns black. yeah exactly but they were kept saying oh we were able to pull it off and they played the scene of them robbing a couple of times and every time i watch it and i'm like i guess because they got him by surprise because it doesn't look almost it looks disturbing but it doesn't look like it's real either, like the real robbery. Does anybody mm-hmm. feel that? Does well, I think there it? are two POVs. There's the, the POV outside in the car, the getaway car, which is the reality, I think. And then you have the more colorized, stylized, like actually inside that they cut to. And I think that's the girl's memory mm-hmm. more so. Yeah, because that, that one plays when they're uh, talking about it later on. Showing off. Mm-hmm. Right. Look, it's always felt to me like, oh, like, did it, could really, the people, everybody bought it. Everybody bought this young women wearing hoodies and then holding what are plastic guns. But I guess, you know, when something's pointing at your They had hammers, head, too. You don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Hammers. The hammer. Yeah. You don't want to get hit by a hammer. Mm-hmm. And I, maybe there was even, I think, less people there in reality. Mm-hmm. than in their uh, dreams. So, like, I think there's a lot that we're not to believe of that situation. But then again, they go kill a bunch of people in a scene from Grand Theft Auto. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is that James Franco's death, right? Like, his characters, is very, like, oh, oops, he died. Like, <laughs> oh, it's so abrupt, yeah. Yeah. He doesn't even get his gun up. That's how, and that's the other thing too. It's like that's part of the great arc of of James Franco's character in this is that he talks such a huge game, but he's so incompetent that at like the raid that he and the other girls had planned, and they were like, "We're gonna go take revenge," he is immediately killed. <laughs> and immediately. they don't stop. There's no moment for him. There's not even cutaway shot. I don't think of him dying or something. It's just they keep walking. Oh, he died. Let's just keep walking. They got yeah. a mission. <laughs> um, yeah, they've already got three stars. They got to get five. Yeah. And do we ever follow up with what happens to the women who leave? Like, because the women who are just like, I'm fed up. I'm getting out of here. Like Selena Gomez. No, Selena Gomez exits quick. Mm-hmm. But uh, Yeah, she gets out right about the halfway point. I think maybe a little bit before that. Mm-hmm. And, then, uh, and then Harmony Corinne's wife also disappears. Caughty. After a... Uh, Cotty, yeah. After getting, uh, you know, after getting injured, the lifestyle's not for her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't know. They we just take know. a bus back to wherever they came no from. Follow-up. I yeah, think it's they're just fine. Moral. They're the moral good. of the story, yeah, is uh, don't. What was the? What is the moral of the story, Jay? Is there a moral of this film? I don't think there is a moral. Mm-hmm. I think it's. And that's, I think, another thing that I like about it is that it's it's not really a morality in terms of, like, providing a moral. The only moral is, hey, don't, uh, don't do crime and murder people. <laughs> it's going to fuck with your head. Yeah. But all of the other stuff leads to that. And I think it's, an, it's not necessarily about, like, coming out of this story with an, with an answer. It's more about, like, watching these uh watching these characters just descend into 
these uh, these criminal depths. Mm-hmm. And perhaps, you know, maybe their predisposition to do it anyway. They seemed a little bit more wild than Selena Gomez. They're certainly not going to uh, to church groups and mm-hmm. and singing prayers at the beginning of the movie. Do you think, do you both think that they enjoyed the actual spring break? Like, minus the criminal escalation of it all. I ask, is there any difference in their spring break to the criminal escalation? Because there was a there was a criminal act prior to the spring break. They're just like to them that was spring break. That's spring break. That's spring break forever. Mm, that's powerful. But I think yeah, it's yeah. not like it stops being spring break for them when they do crime. No, to them they're like this is so cool still. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, why I think to to harken back to the emptiness of that lifestyle. I think that so early on they had an out. To recognize, like, oh, there's this isn't going to really do a whole lot, right? When they get arrested for the first time, when they're throwing their party at the uh, at the hotel, they could have gotten out right there. But then, if they did, there would be no movie because it's too early on. Mm-hmm. We have to see them descend more. We have to see them succumb to their uh, to their baser, more criminal desires, and. I think that they finally do come around and recognize how empty it all is, and uh, and you can't live spring break forever. But you can get away with murder and be fine and learn. I wouldn't say they're work. fine though. Like they're fine from a standpoint of like, okay, we got out. We didn't. We didn't get arrested. We didn't get killed. Um, but I think they are definitely by the end of the movie dealing with the psychological effects of what they've done. Like mm-hmm. they came out of the keg stand and are like, Oh man, I'm going to puke. Yeah. But I, I, I think it's to them. It's still the weight of like having drank too much the night before uh-huh. for them. They got the same, <laughs> the same <laughs> profound message as people who would just do that and be like, Oh, you know what? Partying is too much. But th- for them, they had to slay a bunch of people. <laughs> right. Jay, any other thoughts on Spring Breakers before we get into some ratings? I think if you haven't watched it, people who are listening, audience listening to this podcast, go watch it. If you had any sort of preconceived notions about what this movie was about, just give it a whirl. And if you don't want to watch that, at the very least, go watch the uh, the Every Time sequence on YouTube, which is... Wow, just chef's kiss. Just fantastic. <laughs> the bee's knees. Yes. Yeah, I don't know how much they might enjoy it in a vacuum, but... Uh, <laughs> it's truly the cat's meow. That's what I'm going to say about it. <laughs> the J-Light cat's meow, Mark. Yo, do you think we're ready now to go to the ratings? Not quite. Give it another 30 seconds, maybe 40. Uh, let's cook it a little bit. Okay, here's how the ratings work. We're going to rate Spring Breakers on a scale of 0 to 10 using something else as a reference point. That other thing can be a movie, a TV show, a book, a type of sandwich. So salami sandwich is a 7, classic, but a little too salty. Spring Breakers is a 10 because it's great. Whatever you want to do. And if that doesn't make sense, I'll go go first. first. You'll go first? I'll go first. Yes, please, go first. Yeah, I already mentioned Zola that I walked out of. I actively walk out out of a good number of movies. Not like aggressively large, but every 10th movie for sure I walk out of. And I watch a lot of movies in the theaters. So, 
What's that? Brag. <laughs> brag. A little humble brag. Got the confidence to walk Cut out of my movies and theaters. Yes. God, if only I had the confidence to do that. I've seen the only movie I've ever walked out of is Wild Hogs when I was a teenager. Oh, good for and you. I should have walked out of many more since then. Famously walked out of Inside Out that my improv friends still haven't forgiven me for. Wow. <laughs> I stand by that decision. Um, but this is not an Inside Out moment. <coughs> this is a moment to compare Spring Breakers 2012 to Zola 2021? Question mark. What's happening to me? I'm dying slowly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if this is like a tactic to make it more suspenseful. It's working. So people kind of first develop empathy for me, and then they enjoy what I have to say. Um, I'm going to give Zola a three, a very generous three. Like, good for you, director of Zola. <laughs> you made a movie. I don't like it. I'm, I walked out of it. <coughs> Sorry, I'm slowly dying. Those people don't deserve to be... They don't deserve to be made a movie about. It's not... I, maybe it's a satire, but there's a lot of, like, shots that don't make sense to me about, like, a shot of, like, a woman urinating in the toilet and showing what she urinated into it. But then, like, there's no... I don't know. It's weird. Watch Lemon instead. <laughs> the, the the lady uh, director with the woman, she made a great uh lemon lemon is a better movie with brett gelman anyway zola is a three and spring breakers is a 7.5 oh not too bad i don't expect that high from from you of this movie i think once we got a little intellectual intellectual here on this podcast my rate it's it's one of those cases where a little bit you grew a little bit it grew a little what was it going to be pre-podcast a five okay still not too bad but seven point five. Terrible. Huh? It's a good movie. Yeah. And now it's like intellectually good movie as well for me. So they say. Joe, what about you? I'm gonna compare this to uh, another movie that I didn't necessarily like, but I appreciated. Um and it's uh kind of on the polar opposite of messaging somewhat to this movie. And that's Nia DaCosta's Candyman. Uh, so this like spring breakers starts with them in a college uh, like lecture about civil the civil war like reconstructionism Mm -hmm. and they're not paying Mm -hmm. attention and they're later these girls who go uh, adopt a lot of the like hip-hop styles and and black uh, you know basically culture vulturing with Mm -hmm. Uh, what's his name James Franco and then they go and murder like the most successful black man in that area like this movie is the polar opposite of Candyman which is about taking back Candyman's name and power for justice social justice but I think they're very similar in that I found them both kind of not really that fun or pleasant to watch but I appreciate what they did Candyman, I'm going to give a seven. I'm going to give Spring Breakers. Mm. Oh, what's happening? An eight. Ooh. Ooh. Close to me, but you built it up. Like you, once again, Joe, you did the thing of like, <laughs> which way is it going to go? You never know. And I'm just making it up on the spot. No, I do. <laughs> I don't know. This is a movie I will 
urge other people to watch through a specific lens, especially if I can. And I think it's we're, it's valuable and worth watching. Um, and I think it's so weird. It gets a point over Candyman because it's so unique, bizarrely edited in a good way, mm-hmm. and sensory. That that is just very cool. You could enjoy it past even the commentary elements. Yeah, and good filmmaking. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, thoughtful, mm-hmm. very thoughtful, thoughtfully made. Um, so yeah, eight. Okay, Jay. Most, most importantly. importantly. Most importantly. Well, I feel, you know, I, I as much as I do in my movie brain want to compare this and rate it on a scale to another movie. I feel it is only appropriate. Uh, to rate this on a scale of, of alcoholic beverages that one might consume on a spring break. Um, so, like, uh, a, a, an alcoholic beverage that you'd consume on a spring break is like a, th- you know, like a light beer, like a natty light. It's like a three, right? Like, it's only there because it's cheap. You're, you're broke college students. <laughs> what else are you going to do? You know, and you'd rather not buy, like, a handle of taka vodka, which is also uh, not that high. It's probably like a two, um, but it gets the job done. Uh, but but Spring Breakers is, for my money, Spring Breakers is underrated beauty that like you sleep on, but as soon as you recognize how important it is and how much value it provides and and what it is capable and what it like what it brings to the table. You're like, this is all I'm sticking with. So to me, Spring Breakers is like uh, uh, like a 40 of King Cobra. You know, like it's got a lot of value in there. It really gets the job yeah. done. Mm. Almost and, poisonous. Uh, but exactly, yeah. And you don't want to have, you can't, you definitely feel uncomfortable after drinking a whole 40 of King Cobra. Mm-hmm. Um, and a little bit sick because it's got that sort of lemony, orangey, citrusy flavor to it. But mm. damn, if it isn't effective. <laughs> wow, the most creative scale Shut Up I Love It ever experience, I would say. Yeah, that I can think of. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Oh, thanks, guys. Wow, Jay, thank you so much for coming on Shut Up I Love It, talking to us about Spring Breakers, getting me to actually watch it in a way that I remember watching oh, it. Oh, no, that's key, yeah. Oh, good. I'm glad you will never forget this movie now. I'm glad we've got it stuck in your brain. It is in my brain now. Jay, where can our audience find you? Uh, you can find me at Diet Jay on all the social media platforms. And if you want to hear me talk more about movies, uh, you can listen to my podcast, Blockbusting, where I have people on talk about movies they hate and why they hate them. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. The Bizarro. Shut up. I yeah, love it. It's, yeah, it's definitely the Bizarro. <laughs> Joe, what's going on with you? Oh, go check out JoeCabello.com. You could link to my Patreon where you could read my novella, Technovirus. There's a few chapters uh, left of the whole book that you can get on Patreon. So sign up a buck or two. No no big deal. And if you're wanting to enter a writing fellowship in the city of Hollywood, take my writing class on scriptonabe.com spec lab class with sasha filer thank you elizabeth salute for this artwork thank you mr owl for this amazing track and thank you for listening